Hello, hello, and welcome to the Feminine Magnetism Podcast with your host, me, Hawaii. So, so happy to have you joining in into this space where we talk about all things intuition, alignment, and pleasure power. All the episodes that you're about to listen to are completely unplanned, unedited, and divinely channeled live streams converted into audio for you. So that means that they are a little messy and imperfectly perfect, just as is the magic of the feminine. Hope you enjoy. I want to talk about neediness um, because like I said, it's like probably the most common theme that shows up with clients in the very beginning um, for a couple reasons. One is just like the world that we live in uh, is obviously more in favor of the masculine and having this like neediness is it looks like we're being clingy or we're codependent or um, we're unable to actually fend for ourselves. Uh, all of that has a very negative connotation. And there's shame associated with being needy. You don't want to be that needy girl. You don't want to have to ask for too much. You never want to be helpless. You can't let anybody see that you are in need. And so that's the, the, the general climate that we live in this society. Um, but there's also an added layer with neediness. So depending on our own attachment styles and the way that we grew up, we may have actually been trained to soften that part of ourselves, to, to hold it in. And I think this is probably most common for me with, with the type of clients that I attract because it's in line with my own trauma and the own shit that I've been through. Uh, this is why I think there never really will be enough coaches, healers, therapists out there because you are in sync with the person that you've chosen to work with because you are just on the same path. The, the, the shit that you've gone through, that person is just a few steps ahead, um, has just graduated through a few more lessons that you're probably going to run into or that you've experienced to some smaller degree. And you have this, this person who has a level of expertise in life. Um, so that's why we're matched with people depending on our own stories. And so the type of clients that I always get um, typically match my own story. And I think that this is what I oftentimes see is specifically with myself, the relationship with the masculine and feminine does have a lot to do with my own upbringing. So there's the desire to obviously have dad's love. And that's pretty common for the feminine altogether. You, you see the first masculine that you see that is your definition of love. That is how you learn to receive love. Um, and then the way that you interact with dad ultimately translates into what, what, what is love? How do I get love? How do I know if I'm loved? So we're learning based on that modality. And then with mom, that is our first example of the feminine. And so to some degree, she has her own feminine nature that we get to admire and honor. But as we step more into our own feminine power, we start to uncover what that means for ourselves. And when we create that, that unique definition of the feminine within ourselves, there can be a little bit of a, a turmoil in the household between the women because one person's identification of the feminine is different than somebody else. And so both are totally true and totally valid, but because we have different models, and we're coming into ourselves, there can be a little bit of tension. And that was definitely true for me. As I was coming into myself, 
Um, I felt that my mom and I had so much just disagreements. We were way more fiery in our argumentative communication style, um, very, very strong personalities. And that became more and more obvious as I became more of my own woman. And so that, that balance, discovering what that balance is, learning how to calibrate to a different essence of feminine nature, honoring that while still honoring the self is something that the, the mother wound ultimately has to be mended. So both the mother in learning to allow her daughter to, to come into herself as her own woman, um, but also as, as a daughter to recognize that she is her own woman and I too have the freedom to, to discover what that means for me. So not necessarily making either or wrong, um, not needing to distance yourself or, or create um, a separation in order to become into yourself, but learning how to allow both to be true. That's some of the things that, that have come up. Um, and, and it may come up for you, it may be common, but specifically around how we exemplify our neediness can be related to our attachment styles. They come from mom and dad. This is talked about really nicely in Wired for Dating by Stan Tatkin. Um, he talks about attachment styles, but instead of using secure, avoid, and anxious, he calls it anchor, island, wave. Um, and this is a really cool way of, of having more of that visual representation of how we show up in relationship, how we move through it. Um, and with that, you're able to kind of understand what it is about the neediness that may or may not feel like you have that same permission. So depending on um, the other siblings in the household, who took what role, it might have naturally propelled you into a different direction. And uh, depending on whose love you felt most connected to. So in my household, definitely was like, more in alignment with achieving or receiving dad's love just because that is, is quite common for the feminine to, to to yearn for the first masculine in her life and to receive that love and my brother being more close to my mom growing up when we were early ages it felt like that was the most of the parenting was coming in those directions and with that it actually naturally pushed us into more of an island which is me um, being more of the avoidant side, and then my brother being a little bit more into the wave. Both of us having a blend of the two, but each one taking on a bit of a different pole. So with that, naturally, this neediness felt really shameful to ask for help, to um, require someone to lean on, um, to reveal that I was going through anything or that um, I wasn't able to do it. Allowing that to be seen was not accepted. So that, that can be quite common. Um, specifically, if you did find that uh, receiving dad's love, and this, this is typically common with um, that masculine-feminine dynamic, where dad isn't as expressive. He does want you to be a big girl, be strong, and, and essentially process emotions the way that he processes emotions through his own masculine operating system. And because we find that tie, that longing for dad's love, we naturally learn how to self-soothe, to handle it on our own, to come out with a brave face and make it look like everything is just fine. So all of these little tactics are ways of us transmuting our emotions into a way that's most 
well-received by the masculine. So if you grew up in that type of dynamic, some of this might resonate for you. Um, but that was so common for me. My dad is like as avoidant as could possibly be. Like you, <laughs> it was like a joke. Like if, if we were in sports or we did a really good job or got a good grade, he wouldn't even say good job. He'd just be like, just, just a blink. You would just get like a, a blink of, of validation that you did well. So there was no um, sense of like emotional expression for good or for bad. If it was bad, he was non-existent. If it was good, you got like a half a thumbs up. Um, so being in that relationship where you're constantly uncertain of whether or not it's working, whether, you're not, whether or not you're doing something right, allows you to create a mask of, I got this on my own. So you're no longer um, aching or, or responding constantly. You're putting on a front of, I'm okay even though there's a deeper yearning for that validation and affirmation, love. But on the outside, we portray that like, I got it, I'm just fine. So we mimic a little bit of that avoidant um, behavior that comes out from the masculine. Now, in adult relationships, the, the, the neediness that we naturally have, the, the longing to receive love, to receive affection, um, to just, be held, to feel safe, all of that gets silenced. So in the world that we live in, partially from how we grew up and partially from just needing to, to honor independence so deeply in, in this society, we have assimilated to this capability of, I got this, I'm just fine. I don't need anything, I don't need anyone. And this is not a very natural um, embodiment for the feminine because the feminine actually is able to attract more of what she wants by tuning into what it is that she needs. And the, the tricky part here is that if the neediness comes from this aching longing to feel something, to feel fulfilled, to feel worthy, to just feel even complete or, or like yourself, if you're grasping on to these needs to feel complete. That's when we're coming from this place of desperation. That's when it can be felt as clingy, it can be toxic, codependency forms. But when our, our need for love, our deep yearning for love comes out naturally from this place of fullness, then it is guaranteed to be well received. So the masculine actually desires to fulfill those needs. This is where our, our compatibility works so beautifully, that the feminine is so clear about what it is that she's calling in, about what would bring the most depth into the relationship, um, what would actually allow them to come together and be more connected to spirit. She is attuned to what those needs are. And if we shift the, the meaning that we have around need um, and take it away from being this like sense of oxygen and, and survival and turn need into, of course I, I need that. Love is the essence of how we're meant to live, of why I'm here on this planet. Love is a need, but we allow this need to come from a place of fullness and expansiveness. So it, it's like, I'm already taken care of. I already have this capacity of love from within that I also desire that from you. 
So it, it's the, the fullness of love from within me needs the fullness of love within you. And when we're communicating from that place, that's when we're actually able to reach such a massive potential of spiritual intimacy. So by having this unified connection together, we're getting closer to spirit, to God, to source. We're bringing ourselves to this elevated place of being. But it has to come from a place of fullness. And so that, that may be not where you're at in this moment. You may not be totally, entirely secure and full and, and noticing, okay, I do have some insecurities. I do have some things that a very shallow part of me needs. That is also okay to own. So if we recognize that maybe there's a part of us that just like needs extra attention, needs extra words of affirmation, just needs extra presence, touch, um, just energy. I need that from you. And you can own that it may come from a, a tender place, a part of you that is actually coming from a place of fear of losing this person. You can actually bring that forth rather than masking the fear and projecting the neediness. So if we can own that there's a deeper fear here, that I'm not at the place where I'm totally woke and, and 100% secure and I feel like I can want you, but I don't need you. It's okay if you're not there right now, but if you can bring your fear up to the surface, allow it to be seen. So allow someone to witness the part of you that is actually really afraid of being hurt, abandoned, left alone, all of that. If we can bring that energy forward and allow the neediness to be communicated from that place, it can actually be a beautiful offering. And this is when the masculine will naturally desire to offer that sense of security, protection, love, um, just overall container of presence. And, and it's a completely fair place to be in because it is through that, it's through this like very shallow um, first stage love. And David Data talks about this in depth in, in the three stages of love. It's the first stage of love is a little bit more of like these shallow needs that come from more of an insecure place, that come from uh, a me mindset rather than a us or us in the universe uh, space. It comes from this is what I need. If we can own that part, and recognize that it's coming from a place of fear, we can naturally move into some of these deeper places of love. So it's through the, the parts of us that are a little bit more insecure and nervous, fearful, whatever, all of that, bringing that, allowing that to be revealed will, will naturally drop you into a deeper state of love. Um, and so one of my clients actually brought this to, um, she, she shared this in a really nice way of how Every time she starts off a relationship, she is like this really needy, needy version of herself where um, she essentially like projects this part of her that she doesn't even totally align with, doesn't like, um, and isn't actually a long-term part of her in the relationship process. It's just in the beginning, this excessive neediness comes out and it's a very first stage love. Do this for me. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what I want. And it's this grasping of all of it. And to some sense, there, there's actually shame around being that version of herself. But in the shame, so 
even if you're not in a place where you're ready to remove the shame or you can be like, you know what, whatever, I can be as needy as I want. If you can own that there is shame here and still present this part of you out into the world, you're actually naturally able to evolve. So it's the, sh- it's the shame around it, but choosing to reveal despite the shame that takes us to this place of wholeness. So when we reveal through the shame, so when we reveal through this shame, it's like, okay, I feel this way and everything in me is telling me I shouldn't act like this, I shouldn't be behaving like this, but I'm gonna put like my ugliest foot forward. I'm gonna let you see this part of me that I actually wish didn't even exist, that I probably think is going to end this relationship. This is the part of me that, I, you know, you're probably gonna run away, this is gonna scare him off, but being able to reveal that needy part of you is actually what builds security long-term. And this actually applies to so many areas or so many other insecurities that we have. If you can show that and allow that to be seen very early on, you're no longer harboring this secret. You're no longer living on edge with that relationship long-term that when he finds this out, that's when it's gonna go really bad. Or when they see this version of me, there's no way they're gonna last. So when we reveal the insecurities quite early on and allow it to be presented from this place of, I'm afraid of this, but here it is. That is when we're naturally able to move past it. But it has to come from this consciousness, conscious connectedness to that fear. Recognizing like this is coming from a place of fear. I understand that. And with that, I still choose to reveal it. So when we're disconnected, when we're just projecting the neediness and we've dissociated from the part of us that's actually afraid, that's when it's actually creating a toxic um, bond potentially. And we're, we're just creating a messy dynamic. But the link to the fear is the, the key piece that allows us to move, move beyond it. And so what she shared with me is that she, you know, she's really embarrassed, doesn't want to have this little test, this neediness test at the beginning of every relationship, um, and doesn't like that version of her comes out. Well, what I suggested was, why don't we, not we, you, <laughs> talk to your boyfriend and find out what his experience was of that very needy version of you. How did he perceive that? How did he experience that version of you? Because I can guarantee that it's going to be a very different perspective than how you viewed that version of yourself. And of course, that's what it was. So when he shared back what that time period of the beginning of the relationship was like, he actually loved it. He loved that he was able to show up for her and, and be the, the savior to be a little bit of that hero here and there to know that he was needed. Um, And that's a huge desire for the masculine is to be in service, to be needed, to be able to be that protector. And a lot of us are unwilling and afraid of revealing the part of us that desires to be protected, that actually needs that sense of security from the other person. And so the more that we are hiding this part of ourselves, we are cutting off the masculine from actually having the power to show up for us in that way. So we're limiting the depth and connection. And so even though in the very beginning stage of the relationship, both people are operating from like a first stage love 
one person is, is projecting their own fear and neediness from the feminine pole. And the masculine gets to come and be this hero and feel really good about himself by saving her. So this is essentially like a very, um, the, both are operating from like an independent place from, I, I feel good because I'm getting the things that I need. And I feel good over here because I'm able to serve you. I'm able to feel good about myself because I'm, I'm doing something good for you. So it actually is both, in both ways, it's self-serving. And that's completely okay if it starts off there but comes from a place of consciousness. You recognize that this is actually in service of me. And when you do that, over time, the excitement around, oh, this feels good for me, softens. And we go into a deeper place of what do we want to do in service of both of us? That now we've moved past this initial fear, all the insecurities that I have or, or the, the, the needs that I have at a very personal level. Now what's next and what would be most in service of us as a union? How can we become in sacred union with each other to be in service of our togetherness? And so we don't need to rush any of these stages, but it will naturally drop into a deeper place of love when we're consciously connected to what these individual needs are. And then after that, that the, the in service to the couple and in service to us as a unit, then we go into a third stage love, which is even deeper, where it's the two of us are in service to God. So how is our love in relationship to spirit, in service of universal expansion? And this is when sacred sexuality comes into play where we actually get to find this place of enlightenment through, through our union. So it, we, together we are in service to spirit. That is the third stage. And a lot of people want to rush. I know myself even. I was like, all right, I want that. Like, that's what I want to get to. Um, and you don't need to, to rush to that stage because with every relationship, you might find that you're dropping in from one, two to three. And that's totally okay. Uh, but having conscious awareness of what's happening in each of these stages and whether or not you're plugged into your own desires, your own insecurities, your own needs is ultimately how we naturally go deeper um, rather than acting like we're already in, in those stages. Uh, so I encourage you to own the part of you that actually has a very needy desire that feels needy for love, affection, connection, all of that. See how, see how uncomfortable it is actually to own that part of you and to allow whoever you're in relationship with um, to be in service of that. And the, 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 the gift that you receive, um, allow that to be this like cyclical nature of you offering your neediness as a gift. And whoever the masculine pole is in your life, allowing them to serve and that being their gift back to you. And so that is a, a beautiful way of actually going deeper within yourself, of, of discovering the parts of you that are condemning your own desires and to empower the masculine to show up for you. Um, I think one of the most beautiful concepts of the feminine is that she decides everything that, that she wants. She decides what her yes is and what her no is, but it shows up for her by her owning that truth. So you are, by being so connected to the, these needs and wants, you're naturally projecting it out into the world. 
You're naturally exuding it and the universe desires to serve you when you exude that certainty. And so the feminine has just such a beautiful wisdom and intuition and a devotion to love. So the things that you need, things that you want, however you want to, to categorize them, are in service of love and they are naturally in service of human expansion. Um, so I encourage you to, to be extra needy. If you could amp up your neediness, what would that look like? How would you, you know, fearlessly or, or shame, shamelessly ask for the things that you need or be a little bit extra um, and, and make, it, make it kind of playful, like a, not needing to come from this desperation, but this almost intentional helplessness to be um, in this like damsel in distress kind of energy, allowing that to be the, the part, the role that you play because that's when you can actually make it quite fun. Um, when you're not doing this as like a job or this is what I need to do to heal myself. <laughs> it, it, like the inner work kind of energy coming from this place of like, how can I make this kind of sexy? How can I make this a fun little role play? Um, it's a part that you're playing. That's the whole essence of embodiment is you get to drop in to these different roles within yourself and just see what happens. So. Play with your neediness, it is so freaking powerful and your neediness is actually in service of love.